Okay, the Democratic National Convention is now over. It's in the books. Um, I got some things I want to say about it. It's going to be a little uh, different than what you might expect. We're looking forward to the Republican National Convention next week. Hopefully, it'll be a lot better. It has to be, obviously. So, I have to revisit this thing I brought up on my YouTube channel, The Prophetic Angle. You can go there and look at uh, where did all the demons go and what's next? Where I look at the 60s and even the 70s in a pretty uh, introspective way. I, I look at a couple of incidents primarily among many that took place in both the 60s and the 70s. And, and I begin to uh, recollect and utilize this allusion to the 60s primarily and also the 70s in what is resurfacing today in Black Lives Matter and also Antifa and basically the overall cultural trajectory into depravity. I believe Judge Robert Bork used the um, terminology in a book I think he wrote called Slouching Toward Gomorrah and <laughs> That's exactly what's happening in America. And that's one reason, that is the primary reason why we're in the state that we're in. Um, why the coronavirus has now brought to the surface um, and revealed many of the underlying things that were um, brewing and stewing over the past several decades now it's come to a head. It's like a boil. Pardon me for using this graphic, uh, repulsive, not vulgar. I don't know if it's vulgar or not. Repulsive uh, reference to a boil that comes to a head with a pus and then it pops and the pus runs out. That's what's happening today. Uh, the pus is running out of the infection that has started decades ago. It really started before the 60s, but it came. It started coming to a head in the 60s. It popped in the 60s and 70s, and then somehow the Band-Aid, the Mercuricomb, the iodine, the antibiotics uh, had, had brought it under some semblance of a control. But behind the scenes, it was festering again. It was ready to pop again, and. Perhaps it popped when the Beatle, the Beatles made their uh, overseas trip to America, you know, and the British rock craze was turned loose uh, on the Ed Sullivan Show and other places. And I'll admit, you know, these guys were talented. Their, their lyrics, they were talented lyricists. They were talented musicians. Sometimes they were talented singers. And the pop charts burst with uh, activity um, from the British Isles. The Beatles, the Beatles, John Lennon is now dead. Um, remember, he was assassinated. He was shot. Um, he made this statement that I, I want to refer to, if I can find it, um, about the popularity of the Beatles. He said... Uh, in 1966, during an interview with the Evening Standard reporter Maureen Cleave, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. 
We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. And of course, this was very offensive. Um, he wrote that song, Imagine. Again, he was a talented man, but he wrote that song, Imagine There's No Heaven, um, and so forth. You know, kind of a humanistic song that was certainly, in my opinion, anti-Christian. I, I looked at the other Beatles, you know, George Harrison, who also is dead, uh, I believe, who got into the Transcendental Meditation, and I didn't realize that Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr did as well. But enough of the Beatles. All their songs, you know, back in the USSR, all those kinds of songs that tended to um, flirt with communism, the songs about drugs, the songs about sexuality, immorality, uh, the political activism. And of course, when you're a teenager growing up, you're just hearing the music. You think you're cool. You're not thinking so much about what kind of effect you're having on the world or what these lyrics uh, exemplify. So again, enough of the Beatles. What happened in the Democratic Convention was... Several people spoke, uh, some of which I won't even mention, but the primary ones, other than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, of course, were Bill and Hillary Clinton and Michelle and Barack Obama. Now, let's talk about primarily Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Although I have to mention what I think was a veiled threat by Michelle Obama when she said, if you think it can't get worse, believe me, it can and it will. Now, the way that would be spun by those that want to spin it that way is that, you know, Donald Trump's bad and if you elect him for four more years, things will get even worse. Talking about things other than the riots, the riots, the protests, the uh, anarchy that was completely, completely overlooked um, in the Democratic Convention speeches. Nobody uh, condemned the riots, the violence, Antifa, or the organization Black Lives Matter. Because obviously you can't condemn Black Lives Matter. Black lives do matter as do all lives, including black lives in the womb and black policemen lives and other innocent black lives that many of whom are killed in Chicago every weekend, including children and, of course, other lives, white lives, etc., etc., etc. Do we have to say all that? No, of course we don't because Jesus died so we could live. But nothing was said that spoke out against Black Life, Inc., which is, uh, I think two of the women are, are uh, LGBT promoters, and they want to destroy the nuclear family and so forth. Now, Dinesh Souza calls this um, identity Marxism. Um, he has crystallized and extracted 
and articulated what this new form of Marxism is, whereas Karl Marx himself was primarily into economic Marxism. Um, now, today, we're into identity Marxism or cultural Marxism, and that is being used. But we go back now to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, who was a disciple, you could argue, of Saul Alinsky as well as Hillary Clinton. Now, I'm not going to get too deep in this because this would get too lengthy. And frankly, I don't know everything there is to know about it. There's so much to read and learn about it. But it's out there for you to peruse and to study and to delve into if you want to. But we're seeing the techniques that are being used. And I thought it was very interesting what Saul Alinsky said himself. Saul Alinsky, who died in 1972, who wrote... Uh, Rulers for Radicals, and I'm going to share with you in a little bit those rules. But he says, lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from our legends, mythology, and history. So <laughs> he, he tries to cover himself there with uh, whether or not he actually believes the Bible. But anyway, he goes on and said, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. And that's a quote from Saul Alinsky. Now, how anybody would want to follow after a man that uses Lucifer as an example of success in being a radical and trying to overthrow the establishment, i.e. the one true God, is beyond my ability to comprehend, except for the fact that they're demon-driven, Solomonsky. Okay, so there you go for that. Now back to the speeches that were given by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Um, I'm not going to try to quote from those speeches, but I just want to mention these two figures. One is the last president, and one is the last person aspiring to be president who was defeated by Donald Trump. And I'll say the reason why Donald Trump is in office is because there was a Barack Obama and there was a Hillary Clinton who were disciples of one Saul Alinsky. Now, let's just read a few excerpts from um, an article about Saul Alinsky. In the Alinsky model, organizing is a euphemism for revolution. Remember, Barack Obama was, before he became a senator and before he became president, was a community organizer. So organizing is a euphemism for revolution, a wholesale revolution whose ultimate objective is the systematic acquisition of power by purportedly oppressed segment of the population, thus a Marxist idea, the oppressed, in other words, the proletariat overthrowing the bourgeoisie or the, the capitalist, uh, the proletariat being the working man or woman under the Marx model. But remember, the oppressed 
converts into the identity marginalized, the marginalized identity groups, or break everybody down into identity groups, insinuate that they're oppressed, show them that they are, and then cause them to join forces together, even though they may be different, and overthrow the oppressor, whoever the oppressor may be. The goal is to foment enough public discontent, moral confusion, and outright chaos to spark the social upheaval that Marx and, of course, at the time, Engels and Lenin, a different Lenin, predicted. A revolution whose foot soldiers view the status quo as fatally flawed, or America's fatally flawed in this case, and wholly unworthy of salvation. In other words, you've got, got to totally overthrow the system. So remember what Barack Obama said when he became president. We're going to fundamentally change America. Now, if you're looking for all loose ends to be tied up in this particular podcast, you're not going to find it, um, except to say that I'm talking about the 60s and the 70s, Alinsky dying in 72, Obama being born in 61, Michelle Obama being born in 64, and then Hillary Clinton aspiring to embrace the philosophies of Saul Alinsky. And she did so and has done so. And you see it now in the Democratic National Convention. You see it in their platform. You see it in their speeches. You see it in their activity in the streets. And I have to talk about this because the 60s, when the boil burst and the pus ran out, and then it was kind of cleaned up a little bit in the 80s and the 90s, not so much, but put back under the rug or back under the skin, so to speak, or under the surface. And now it's bursting again, and we're seeing the mess, the smelling, the stench. We're seeing the mess of this Marxism out in the streets. This pus is running through the streets. It's not just blood running here and there. It's pus running here and there. And this is not something I read somewhere. I'm using this illusion myself, and I know it's gross, repulsive, and it is repulsive. We're going to fundamentally change America. Let me tell you one way he did that, not to mention Saul Alinsky's uh, Rules for Radicals, which I, I wanted to read um, some of those Rules for Radicals to you, but, you know, opening up so many different sources, I kind of hid them from myself. But here they are, and before I read them, I also looked into the sexual revolution, and it really took on a new gate of momentum in the 60s, all the way through the 80s, frankly. Even though you could argue that uh, the Roaring Twenties were a part of that, and then, of course, in the 40s and 50s, the... Um, the writings... The, writing, the writings of the Kinsley Report, um, which did a study on human sexuality. So you could say that that was kind of a platform for what took place in the 60s when the Beatles and other rock groups uh, hit the top 40 and proliferated their philosophy of life, you know, um, free love and, you know, all the different little ideas that took place in the hippie movement. And, uh, of course, there was Woodstock and other concerts where all this 
um, hedonism was being expressed. Okay, so there was numerous things that happened in the 60s and 70s that we're seeing replayed now, including the license for immorality and all the different perversions that have not completely come to the fore yet. So, you know, you'll notice this because the LGBT movement added Q and now recently PIA. So I'm not sure where they're going to end with the alphabet, but they can't get enough diverse perversions under the umbrella of that particular wing of uh, Marxist push. You know, identify all these different odd marginalized groups, bring them to the center, push those in the center to the margins. Okay, now let's read. I know I'm just bringing a lot of things in here and throwing them at you, but I want you to see the 60s and the 70s, how they relate to today in as, in as succinct a manner as I can. Here are Alinsky's 13 tactical rules. Power's not only what you, ma what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. Never go outside the experience of your people. Whenever possible, go outside the experience of the enemy. Make the enemy live up to their own book of rules. In other words, make the Christians, I'm just going to put this in a nutshell for you, make Christians act like Christians and then accuse them of not being able to do it. So you're always using accusations. Notice the next one. Ridicule, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Criticize, condemn, ridicule. This is why you're seeing the accusations from the left of those on the right of doing exactly what they're doing, but they're louder with their ridicule. In other words, they say don't judge, but they're judging. They're saying don't hate, but they're hating. They're using criticism and accusation and condemnation and loudly doing it over and over again to intimidate and to put those in the center to the margins so the margins can come into the center. A good tactic is one your people enjoy. A tactic that drags on too long is a drag. Keep the pressure on. And you're going to see the pressure continue. Notice it went all the way through the four years of Trump's presidency. If they couldn't get one thing to succeed, one lie, they would use another. The threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. The major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure on the opposition. And see, even the Republicans, uh, especially the rhinos, but even the Republicans, sometimes they wilt and cower under this pressure. Trump doesn't. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care about being politically correct. He knows that this is the reason why there's been so much defeat for conservatism in the past. Of course, I am personally looking at it from a Christian point of view. If you wilt under the pressure, then the pressure has worked and the enemy continues to use it because it works for them. And that's what Sololinsky is saying. If you push a negative hard and deep enough, it will break through into its counterside. The price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Now, 
I'm not going to get into all the political philosophies of each of these, but suffice it to say that Barack Obama, who, and I know it's conjecture which some people are going to say, no, it didn't happen. Well, others say it did, that he was hobnobbing with uh, Bill Ayers prior to his election, prior to his political success. Who was Bill Ayers? Bill Ayers was one of those, as the 60s turned into the 70s, with the weather underground, who was part of the bombing, or the philosophy of bombing, and uh, upheaval, the anarchist upheaval, of this particular countercultural group, uh, Bernadine Dorn being his wife. Now, apparently, later on, they were not punished or uh, they were released because of the improprieties in the, in the system or in the persons that tried to um, incriminate them. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. But they wound up being professors. And uh, again, Sololinsky's techniques working in other people. And now Barack Obama is part of uh, connecting with that, you know. Um, then he connects with Jeremiah Wright and for 20 years attends his church where uh, black liberation theology, which is also Marxist, is implemented under the guise of Christianity. Now he did separate from Jeremiah Wright's church and I believe for political reasons. But he surfaces again as a past president this week in the uh, Democratic National Convention and speaks one of the premier speeches of the day and basically attacks Trump and uh, the things that are right. Yeah, he's concerned about his legacy because what was his legacy? to try to overthrow the status quo and fundamentally change America. It was an abomination with an A, not just an O. And I'll conclude with this. He tried to push the LGBTQ PIA agenda. And one way we saw that is the bathroom controversy. I hate to even get into all this because it's so personally upsetting that he would push this into the elementary schools. And today, depending on where your kid goes to school, this is still an issue. Uh, the, the education for even children, parents, have succumbed to allowing a child to decide what sex it's going to be or he or she is going to be based on the way they feel when they get to a certain age. And puberty blockers and all these kinds of things are being used in this agenda. I tell you, it, it, it's very upsetting to me for a multitude of reasons. But I'm going to stop there and say that this is what we're looking at 
that came out of the 60s and 70s. It came up today in different entities, including Antifa, BLM, Inc. Of course, your political figures, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. Look it up yourself. Michelle Obama, Barack Obama pretty much uh, threatening America as well. Now, what does the left do, the liberal media? They say, well, he basically is saying, you know, this could be the end of America. In other words, is Donald Trump is going to be the end of America. Well, who's the one with the flags? Who's the one for the national anthem? Who's the one that's promoting religious liberty? Who's the one that has stood up for America and made America first again? Who's the one with the economic success prior to the coronavirus and now it's coming back again? So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris really don't have anything to offer but more of this Saul Alinsky. And believe me, with AOC and the squad, Barack Obama behind the scenes, sometimes in front of the scene, Hillary Clinton poking her head up again, this kind of philosophy is not going anywhere. And just because they surrounded themselves with American flags last night, doesn't mean that they're all about America. Now, Joe Biden might think he is, but then again, they're using him as, a, as an avatar. They're using him as a face. They're using him as, an, as somebody that, has, that is the mask for the movement that actually is afoot. You know what the Bible says about the unfruitful works of darkness? Don't have any fellowship with them, but rather reprove them. Yep, the 60s and the 70s are continually spewing out their poison. But it's up to us, folks, to pray, to vote, and to speak up, to stand up, to be heard, and not to allow what has been the middle of the road to be pushed to the margins. What has been righteousness to be pushed to the side, to be condemned, to allow evil to call good evil and to allow evil to say that they're good. God bless you. Have a great day.